HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Tending to You. Tending to You provides mobile bartenders and waitstaff for private events in the greater Houston area. Learn more at tendingtoyou.com. That's tending, the number two, and the letter u.com. Time for Lunch is a new podcast from HRN for curious young eaters, where we focus on the serious questions. Aren't chickens tiny dinosaurs? We get to know our favorite foods in unexpected ways. We just like cheered like you would cheer for your classmate when they're round in second base in softball. And we just like, peach, 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 peach. Yay, thank you, peaches. Learn some new recipes and jokes. What does a boxer's mom put in his lunch? A knuckle sandwich. And load up on fun facts. Experts estimate that there are between one and 2,000 types of insects eaten around the world. So roll up your sleeves and dig in. Subscribe to Time for Lunch on your favorite podcast app so that you and your favorite young eater can catch up on the whole first season. New episodes of season two out each week. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. Um, I'm sad to inform you uh, that today's show will end without the mission bells because I'm in a new house now. No. Oh, man. How will we know when to stop? I know. We're We're just going to keep talking for hours. (laughs) We're just going to keep going, man. Show them what's going on. Yeah, I yeah. just uh, been moving over the weekend, and today's officially after this. I got to go to the other house and do the last of the stuff there. And nice. uh, yeah, but it's a lot quieter here. Um, I mean, I, the only thing, the only sound that I will miss is the mission bells from the Mission San Rafael across the street. But uh, I don't miss the traffic sounds and the construction. It's very quiet here, so it's perfect for doing the radio. Awesome. Uh, glad yeah. you're glad you're settling into some new but digs. Speaking of uh, construction noise, I heard that there was some stuff going on in uh, Man, East Village. I mean, let's check been... in with our New York correspondent and see what he has to say about that. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing the show remotely like this for some time now, and it's about the fifth week that I've got a jackhammer uh, kind of right outside my window. I'm sure we'll hear it at some point during the show. He's 
maybe on his lunch break right now, but a uh, pretty incredible amount of destruction they've uh, laid, laid upon the sidewalk out in front of my house over the past several weeks. Uh, but, you know, we're going to get through it. Um, what have you guys been up to for the past uh, week? Um, I mean, they moved. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting ready to move myself. I'm in that phase where um, uh, I'm, I'm starting to look at boxes the way I normally look at pretty people on the street. I'm like, ooh, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I, check that one out. You could fit so many books in there. Yeah. Um, but of course, I haven't actually done anything yet. I'm going to do it at the absolute last minute in a, in a you know panicked flop sweat the way I always do because, you know, that's... We always vow we're going to do it better the next time we move, and then we stay in our new places long enough to forget those vows. Can I make a suggestion for you? Hit me. As, as someone who's going through it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not trying to get political, but uh, I would say that something that I did on this move, uh, not knowing what our future may hold, I got a bunch of those like Rubbermaid, Sterilite, uh, you know, stackable plastic bins that, you know, I'm basically not really going to unpack much <laughs> you know if we find out some really bad news at the end of this year uh you know i may i may be using those again and they may be on a boat you know so like at least right. they're waterproof um but <laughs> but the cool thing about them is like you can you, you use them you move some stuff then you can kind of unpack the stuff take the empty ones back <laughs> reuse them so you don't have to have enough for everything that you own you know what i mean if you got time to like, if, especially if something heavy like books, you want something with handles on it, you know, or books and booze really is what, what we're talking about here. All That's the heavy stuff. 90% of yeah. what I'm moving. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know my audience, man. Um, <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time, guys. Um, but yeah, I mean like, and the cool thing about those bins too, they're stackable. You can put them away in storage, whatever. But then if you got, you've always got a buddy who's moving, you know, so you can let them, you can lend them to your friends too. I think it's just a good way to like to not have to uh, mess around with a, a bunch of cardboard and all this stuff. I don't know. It, right, the, re- the repetitive use of boxes that we just use once and trash and throw away. It seems like a good solution maybe. maybe well, you know. especially right now, you know, uh, uh, typically what I would do in the past is I would take booze boxes from my bar. Yeah. Because, you know, we're burning through those. We're moving so much alcohol. But right now... None of the bar because that that's my go to. I'd go to bars and restaurants and ask for like booze boxes to to pack with. But right now we're not moving a whole lot of booze, so yeah. it's kind of like you know. I, I know, get that's I, my that's I get my that go-to. far away look in Greg's eyes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like ah uh, yeah. You see the nice like big ones that are broken down outside of your local liquor store, and like ah uh, the one that got away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm facing down a move as well. Uh, you know. With everything that's going on, uh, I made the decision to leave my apartment because uh, the salary that I'm taking in right now and that I'll probably be taking in for the, at least the foreseeable future, uh, you know, if I came here uh, and applied for this apartment, they would they would laugh me out of the office. There's no way I can afford it. So just because I already live here doesn't mean I should stay here. I'm just going right. to dwindle my savings if I do so. So I'm about to move probably within the next two months myself, which it's a bummer. I like this apartment, but, you know, apartments come and go. No big deal. I'm, I'm, I totally agree with that, you know, like kind of like using your money right now, like very wisely and like, uh-huh. you know, making smart decisions. I bought a new guitar last week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> segue right into a smart decision. <laughs> hey man, it makes music. It makes me happy. I can do it anywhere. Um, and, and you know, it, like I can live in the shittiest place, but if I got, you know, a guitar with me, I'm good. So I don't know. I, I think about things in a 
quite different way if you haven't noticed over the last few months. Well, well you, got, you have to, man. I mean, you gotta you gotta prioritize the shit that makes you happy in in times like this. Otherwise, if you're like being so intensely practical that all you're buying is like you know hand sanitizer and broccoli like you know life is going to be a slog like you got to you got to every now and again say like yes this is not a the textbook definition of an essential purchase but it is totally essential to me right now and it's worth it you know yeah hence well, yeah. the containers full of booze and books exactly <laughs> well i mean uh, in my situation um the apartment that i'm looking at uh, that i'm hopefully going to get is nearly the same price so the savings isn't going to be pretty minimal however it has a very spacious outdoor uh, you know space so i can you know have a grill and maybe a smoker and even maybe build a little bar out there and i'll have a place to be at home because i think for the next two years i'm not going to be going out right that's what that's where i'm gonna cut my cost i'm gonna maybe pay similar amount for rent but i'm gonna have a space that i enjoy being at um, so that I don't feel, you know, like, oh, all yeah, I have to do is go home and sit in my shit apartment, you know. Yeah. You, should, you should, you can, like, uh, you know, uh, build a garden. You can, like, plant some plants, put googly eyes on, on the leaves and, like, pretend they're your bar customers. <laughs> <laughs> Just talk to your you, plants. Plants like it when you talk to them, I, I heard. you were going to say pretend they were my friends. Yeah, pretend uh, <laughs> that too. Yeah. I didn't want to go that far, man. I was, I was already feeling bad for you. But uh, uh, don't feel no, bad for me. no, man, dude, I, I do the same thing. I just uh, I just went and got a bunch of uh, seeds, and I'm, I'm just kind of like doing a like I'm, I'm building out my uh, my mise en place basically, but it's it's a living mise en place right, in, right. in the courtyard area of this house. And like I've got like all kinds of crap growing, <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, I'm planning on, I'm planning on doing that too. This space has uh, ample room for some gardening. And, and, and like I said, I could put a grill and a bar and, uh, you know, a couple of chairs back there and it'll be a place that I can not only, I don't have to go out, maybe I can invite people over, you know? So yeah, anything totally. to make yourself happy in these tough times. Um, and I think Greg's got some guests for us to talk about, about making yourself happy in, uh, maybe, uh, with a new approach. Yeah, absolutely. So joining us in the studio today, we've got Micah, Alan, and Sarah from the Alanea Group, uh, the f- awesome folks behind the aviary out in Chicago. And they're here talking to us about uh, a new uh, kind of out out of the, the ordinary project, I guess you could say, uh, the Zero Project that they've got a book coming out about. Welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us in the virtual studio. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, hi. Uh, I mean, Greg says you got a book coming out. It's out. I have it sitting right here on my lap, uh, and I've already uh, tried to make a few of the recipes in there. Um, you know, the lady I date, Natalie, she doesn't drink, um, so uh, zero is uh, all about no alcoholic, non-alcoholic drinks. But in a much more sort of progressive thought process, let's uh, let's talk about what goes on with this book. Yeah, so I guess um, we've. It's kind of something that we've been working on accidentally since we opened uh next which is the restaurant next to aviary so we always wanted to have essentially stuff that's as unique as our cocktails or our wines that we can give to people so that people that come in that don't drink aren't just kind of disappointed and let down by you know a can of coke or whatever it is um so we've always tried to be a little more creative expressive with uh, non-alcoholic stuff um, and so Alan and Sarah just kind of documented a lot of what we've been doing and, and categorized and, you know, took photos and, and made a bunch of stuff in his house. And, and um, I think it turned out pretty well. 
Well, right. The origin story of how Alan uh, came onto the team, Alan and Sarah, I think, is uh, all based around the fact that you guys cooked through the entire Alinea cookbook. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Alan um, did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a bystander. It was all Alan. <laughs> well, you were probably the you're probably the lucky recipient of all that work. Uh, sorry, say that again. Uh, I said Sarah was probably the lucky recipient of all that hard work you were putting in. Oh, very much. Yes, I was all the taste tester for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Complained about the messes more than the eating. Yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. One of our very first dates was to Alinea, and um, it was back after they had just opened, and I was we were both pretty flabbergasted by the whole thing, and I sort of couldn't get it out of my head after we had eaten there and they came out with a cookbook shortly after that and Sarah gave it to me as a Christmas gift and I um, I don't know decided to try making a couple of the things and at the time she and I were living in New Zealand and uh, the thing to do at that time in history was uh, this was kind of before Facebook was a big deal so the way you kind of kept track of or kept in touch with friends back home was by blogs so I had a little blog that was mostly for my parents to just see what I was doing on the weekends but um, after a stretch of time, uh, the guys at Alinea actually found it, and we just kind of started batting emails back and forth. It was mostly me pestering them with questions, and um, eventually, without ever really being my intended goal, um, I, I managed to make myself make my way through the entire book. And when it was all done, um, I wasn't quite sure like what to do with myself. You know, it felt like kind of like you're suddenly on summer vacation after you study finals, like you just quite don't quite know what to do with yourself. And I was a little morose for a little while and Sarah suggested maybe I could make like a scrapbook or something like that out of, you know, I had this blog and I had just hundreds and hundreds, thousands of photos and had written all this stuff. She's like, maybe put that in a little book for yourself. And um, we sort of got sucked down the rabbit hole of learning a little bit about bookmaking and ended up making a book about the whole project. And we sent the first copies to, um, Nick and Grant and Martin at Alinea as a way of saying thanks. And the day after that, Nick, Nick called and was like, do you guys want to move here? And we were like, what? He said, yeah, let's work together. This is cool. Uh, and we were like, what would you possibly do with, we're, we're working a visual effect, as a visual effects artist in the Bay Area at the time. We were like, what would you possibly do with a pair of visual effects artists um, at a restaurant? And he was like, I don't really know. You guys should just move here and we'll figure it out. Um, and we <laughs> thought that was kind of a ludicrous proposition. So we were like, we should probably do this. Um, and so, yeah, we, we moved here and spent several years um, working on the aviary cocktail book, which was pretty fascinating for Sarah and I, um, because n- neither one of us knew really anything about cocktails before moving here. Like, I knew how to, how to make a really bad old-fashioned, but that was about it. Um, but uh, Southerners made a business out of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, anyway, no, the... the uh, it, it turned out to sort of be to our advantage that we didn't know anything but were pretty curious and it also helped that um, Micah is a pretty incredible teacher and so he was pretty open to us pestering him with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions and over the course of making that book um, he invited us at one point to these round table things that they do at the aviary periodically where they just sort of pick a, a topic and they just talk about it and he was like, you guys should start coming to these. You probably, you know, find some useful stuff that might be useful for making the aviary book. And these conversations um, had topics like how you how they think about pairing cocktails with food or, um, you know, alternative ways to add acidity to a drink or this sorts of stuff. And one of the conversations was about non-alcoholic drinks. And sitting in that in that meeting, 
it kind of like slowly settled on me like there's an insane amount of attention and care that goes into crafting these things like way more than I ever understood and I thought it was really fascinating but we were sort of pushing maximum density with the aviary book and it's you know meant to be a book about cocktails so we couldn't really include as much of that as we wanted to but when it was all uh, when the dust had settled on that book Sarah and I sort of picked up the idea again and we talked it over with Micah and sort of brought it to Nick and Chef and said we would really love to try our original idea was to try making sort of like a small um, magazine type format thing but Nick encouraged us to think about making it into an entire book so I guess that's the longer version of how this book came to be cool I mean it's fascinating and you know the group that you work for is is known for uh, you know extreme attention to detail so it only makes sense that you'd pay attention to this sort of segment of the you know drinking populace I think uh, we we kind of got lucky in a way that we we made it and started doing it before it really got popular and took off. So I think we had a lot of tricks up our sleeve when when I think more people, more and more people realized that it was okay and it was cool to to not drink in public. You know, there was a weird stigma I think for a while where people were kind of scared to like not not go to a bar and or go to a bar and not drink. So I think now yeah, they, it's there were like two major things that happened. It was like you either got outed as like a recovering alcoholic or you got outed as someone who was pregnant. Yeah. Or your friends told you you weren't fun or, or, or yeah. I mean like, yeah, they, I think there was just like a fear of like, you know, there's, well, it was straight up FOMO. Right. And, uh, and so like the, it was really interesting seeing like the change starting to happen, you know? Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's great when you yeah. can be yourself and not have to worry about it. And you know, that's in all aspects of life, but this is, the non-drinking related uh, discussion, but yeah, I think it's good. I mean, I think everything that you're, that you guys do garners a lot of attention and it's because it's, uh, you know, so detail oriented and so, you know, everything you guys put out is so beautiful. This book just came out pretty recently, right? How, how's it doing so far? Is it getting a lot of uh, attention? Is it selling a lot of copies? Yeah, I think it's a little bit relative given um, the current state of the world, but um, I think all of us have been pretty excited with the the feedback that we've gotten so far, and um, yeah, just just sort of uh, how many people um, have have picked up a copy. It's yeah, it's really exciting. It's definitely exciting for all of us to get to see people um, working their way through the recipes um, when they share you know photos of them on on social media and that sort of stuff. That's always really gratifying to see. Yeah, there does seem to be a market for it that we were kind of uncertain about. Um, we, I don't think any of us really knew how well this would do or would not do. And it, yeah, it seems to be going better than I think we thought it would. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's a huge segment of a lot of our clientele at our bars, you know. And I, it's, it's, it's really cool. I mean, it was like the natural next thing to become elevated after food and the beer wine and then cocktails and then now non-alcoholic drink it's like it it was the natural progression right and so it's been really super exciting to see what's been happening you, you it's not just like getting a, a fojito or you know whatever anymore it's it's definitely like there's actually consideration being put into the cock the non-alcoholic cocktails as a program rather just than just taking what you have around the bar and putting something in a glass and selling it to someone for eight bucks or six bucks or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, that right. was the exact thing that actually appealed to me when we um, when we were first learning about this was if you're building these things and you're not relegating yourself to just using what you have sort of sitting around uh, at the bar, but rather inventing your own ingredients or starting to build things up from scratch. Um, first of all, you open yourself up to a lot of possibility to explore flavors that might not even exist um, off the shelf in a market. Um, and uh, yeah, second of all, you, you just, um, yeah, there's just so much creative space that you have to explore. Right, I see lots of opportunities here for obviously zero proof drinks, but also then that if you have those things in your arsenal, then suddenly you can say, well, I can make you a low, you know, low ABV drinks are pretty popular as well. So I can make you a lower ABV, say Negroni, because I've got my house-made non-alcoholic Campari substitute on hand. Uh, so we can make it with, with gin and sweet vermouth and this, this zero proof Campari. Uh, so you've got now a lower ABV cocktail and, you know, again, creating more um, options for the guest. Yeah. That's, I, I was just thinking about that too, you know, like a lot, you know, like, like in New York city, we have collusions, right? So you can go there and it's just like, it's like a, like a toy store for like mixologists and chefs, right? SOS chef, which is close to you, Southern, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, was so just there like, this, I was just there this week. <laughs> yeah. It's an awesome place. You can get like all these kind of crazy, like hydrosols that are like custom, you can get them custom made. Like you can just like go in and talk to the people there and like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this with like such and such ingredient. And like, yeah, cool. We'll make a, like a, like a crazy concentrated hydrosol, like tincture for you. And you're like, you just go pick it up later that day, you know? And it's, yeah. it's amazing. And, and especially with like places like Kalushjans and, and even like if you're in Brooklyn, like Sahadi's is pretty extensive too. Um, you know, it's like really playing with the, the spice cabinet rather than the back bar. And I think that's super cool. And, and, and then if you wanted to, you could take those and throw, like you said, throw your like shot of gin in there or whatever, or Amaro or whatever it might be. If you wanted to make it a low ABV, I'd probably like lean on something like, I, like my mind just goes straight to wine though. Like a lot of times when I'm thinking about like, when I start thinking about like the spice cabinet, I start thinking about like cool, like wine cocktails, which I know there's definitely some like out there that, uh, or like the classics, like your blue wine and like mold wine and stuff like that. But like, that's, it's just exciting. Like every week that we get on the show, we end up like seeing the potential of things that we might not have even considered, you know, like a year ago or last week or whatever. It's just like, it's just being, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like sure. we're like blasting through space, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. And this approach certainly opens up a lot of new avenues to go down. Um, I want to uh, talk to Micah a little bit about like how this is an extension of you know sheer hospitality, which I think we've we've agreed on numerous times that that's really all this business is about is hospitality. We're just trying to show people a good time. But it's time to take a break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come right back and talk about how uh, the book Zero, a new approach to non-alcoholic drinks, uh, can extend to the hospitality of the space that you're in. Stay tuned. <music> This episode is brought to you by Tending to You. Tending to You provides mobile bartenders and waitstaff for private events in the greater Houston area. Their dedicated and capable team specializes in traditional sit-down gatherings, past appetizer service, buffet-style meals, and bartending refreshing customized cocktails and beverages. 
They provide all their own tools needed for a pop-up bar, including drinkware, garnishes, napkins, and more to be set up for success. They also come equipped with trays, gloves, and cleaning products, which allows Tending to You to provide a superior level of service. Learn more at tendingtoyou.com. That's tending, the number two, and the letter u.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. In the studio today, we've got Micah Melton uh, along with Alan and Sarah uh, Hem. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Uh, Hem- Hem- Hemburger. Hem- Hemburger. Uh, yeah. Uh, like hamburger, but, you know. All ease. Yeah. Yep. But, 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 but more delicious. Yeah, all ease. I love it. Uh, so, uh, Sarah and Alan Hamburger, who've written the book Zero, A New Approach to Non Alcoholic Drinks, which is tied to the Alinea Group, and Micah Melton, who is the beverage director for said group. Micah's been on the show before talking about drinks. Um, but this, I think, uh, you mentioned gives you a bit of a, a new arm to uh, your hospitality. Uh, talk about what you mean when you say that this gives you more tools for hospitality. Yeah, uh, so I think just in general as a whole, it's always nice for, for you know, especially beverage professionals to have as many tricks up your sleeve as you can. So, you know, whether that's a cool beer for somebody that, you know, doesn't drink cocktails or, you know, a nice glass of champagne. In this case, it's non-alcoholic stuff. So it's something that I I kind of refer to as silent hospitality, which is like thinking about something and doing something for someone before they ever get in the doors. Um, and then when they're in there trying to make people as comfortable as possible without necessarily, you know, like doing physical things to make them comfortable. So that could be, you know, slipping them a non-alcoholic menu or having a conversation with them, not at their table or whatever it is to make people feel at ease without, you know, kind of doing it at the table and having this presence or at the bar. So, um, it's, it's, I think it's really great to make people feel comfortable and make them not not feel like they're let down or they're left out because they aren't drinking. So um, it's important to us to give people those options and to give people options that are unique and fun and creative and stuff that they'll come back for. You know, like we want them to remember it, but we also want them to come back at the end of the day. So right. The way so I think. Our, yeah, I was going to say. So the, the way I think about this is like we went to. Um, went to Alinea. No, not Alinea. No, sorry, we didn't. We went to Catonia uh, in San Francisco uh, last week for our anniversary, me and Jamie. And, um, you know, she's ve- vegetarian, pescatarian. And, you know, and when I made the reservation, I was like, you know, in the notes, you know, I said vegetarian, pescatarian. She's got a buckwheat allergy. Um, and, you know, it's great to have those kind of, like, that information ahead of time so you can kind of like prepare for your guests who are coming in right and i I was just thinking like you know with non-alcoholic drinks in the past it's always been this thing that has to be announced like at the ordering time you know like at the bar or at the table and I, I never really thought about it. Like, no, because no one's ever... Like, Grand Army, we definitely... We take reservations, and there's always notes, you know, and we take... But now I'm, like, considering, after talking about this today and talk, just getting into the beginning of this conversation about hospitality, now I'm, like, we should have an option there that says whether or not they 
drink alcohol maybe i don't know like is that something you guys do yeah so um especially you know other restaurants are one thing but at aviary we've done like full kitchen table or tasting menus with non-alcoholic drinks and not told anyone at the table at the time because people have emailed in and said hey look like you know i'm not drinking for whatever reason and they don't want their friends to tell you know to tell their friends they don't want to ruin this thing that they booked you know a couple months ago or whatever it is so people will oftentimes kind of reach out and say hey is there any way that you could serve me non-alcoholic but try not to mention you know so sometimes yeah. we'll we'll have, like I said, we'll have little conversations off to the side where they're not in front of their guests and we'll kind of confirm with them. But most of the times people will just come in and um, you can just give them the, the eye contact. And, you know, we ask people to like send us a photo or somehow we'll confirm with them when they get there who it is. So we make sure we're serving the right person. Um, but it's, it's really cool. And that honestly, that interaction and that like you build you build a connection with those people right away totally. that they will you'll never forget them they'll never forget you which is really cool and you've given them something that they've they put all their trust in your hands right for whatever reason and it's just really fun to well i mean the thing is your repu- your reputation is the reason and i think this just extends far beyond like my days in a in a dive bar where you know someone just leans over the bar and says i'm a friend of bill and that just means they want a uh, seltzer water with both a lemon and a lime so they can look like they're you know uh, drinking a vodka tonic or a gin and tonic and and they can identify their glass so they don't pick up the wrong one and they're saying they're basically saying to me hey look i'm an i'm an, I'm an alcoholic i'm an aa and i want to be treated a little bit differently but i don't want my friends to know that or, or feel that so uh, like this is just a like a huge leap forward with that sort of thing yeah totally uh, and I think it's I think it's pretty great, you know. Like you want to make people feel welcome and included. Um, what uh, Alan and Sarah like in, in my notes here, it says you want to talk a little bit about why you made this book and who you designed it for. So tell us that who who did you design this book for? Um, yeah, just uh, but before I dive into that, if I can sing uh, some praises on behalf of Mike and the rest of the kids staff briefly, though, something that um, that I'm not sure it's all the way obvious unless you've been to the aviary or any of Alinea's restaurants um, is that the the non-alcoholic stuff that they make and serve um is it all looks different in all of the restaurants and it's designed that way to sort of blend into the rest of the fabric of the restaurant so in the case of the aviary the non-alcoholic drinks have the look and feel of aviary drinks whereas down in the office they have the look and feel of classic cocktails in the office but then across the hall over at next people are having dinner and they're often having wine pairings and the that would look incredibly garish if the non-drinker at the table was presented with like a big cocktail looking thing while everybody else at the table was drinking a glass of wine. So the non-alcoholic pairings over at Next and up to Sheeta Alinea look and feel like wines um, for all of the same reasons that you guys were just discussing a moment ago, just to help make a guest feel um, comfortable without being singled out, which I just thought was a really cool thing when I learned it for the first time. Um, but in any case, the, the to your question, um, there have been a handful of moments in my life where I have sort of uh, quietly wanted something like this to exist. Sarah and I have a kid, and when she was pregnant, um, you know, both of us like having a good drink. And I can remember thinking, uh, after making her probably the 50th um, fizzy water with like a splash of lavender bitters in it or something like that, I was like, this is so dumb. I, I want to make you something better. I don't know how to do it. And it would be so cool. That was kind of in the middle of my Alinea cooking project. I was like, I wish there was something like this for, for drinks. Um, but I didn't, 
really, I mean, neither one of us thought of ourselves as bookmakers at the time, so it didn't really occur to me that like this could this could actually be a thing. Um, in in the time that's passed since then, um, I've also intersected with this idea from several different directions. Like I have some friends who. Uh, for whatever reason, have chosen to stop drinking, be it for medical reasons or health reasons or whatever. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're taking a religious stance against alcohol mm-hmm. or that they have some sort of, um, um, I don't know, it, it, like disassociation with it or that they don't know what a good drink should taste like. It's, it, you know, some friends I have um, in New Zealand used to be distillers and they stopped drinking and they immediately were like, well, there's nothing really good that I can that tastes as interesting and fulfilling as um, these cocktails that I'm used to tasting, these drinks that I'm used to tasting. And sort of as we were mulling around these ideas, they, it all just kind of came together. Like the, the exposure that we got via MICA to the non-alcoholic program across the restaurants and these, these sort of um, experiences we ha- we've had in our lives. We were like, ah, oh, you know, I care about this person. I wish I could make this thing for them to just as you said like as an extension of personal hospitality you don't have to show hospitality just in a restaurant you can do it you know between you and your partner at home or just with a group of friends out on your patio or whatever and um it's always welcome and it's always appreciated and there that i I feel like that's been been missing or at least when i've wanted to learn how to do that i haven't really found anything so that really shaped um our desire to make this book. And then as we were designing it, and the three of us were talking about how we wanted to craft these recipes and what they should look like. Um, when we built the aviary book, we all wanted to very honestly represent how the aviary works. And there's a lot of interesting um, modernist techniques and equipment and ingredients and stuff like that, that, that they do use and that we wanted to show. But in the case of Zero, we thought it might be interesting to try taking a different tack and to make a book that these friends of ours that I mentioned, um, who don't necessarily have rotovaps and centrifuges in their kitchens, would still be able to make something for themselves. Like there's such a, we felt like there's such a um, shortage of this sort of stuff, this sort of material out in the world that we wanted it to be as broadly useful as we could possibly make it. So that's kind of the, the note that we tried to hit when we were building Zero. Sure. And I think that's becoming part of the fun of the book as well. You know, as I said, I, I have a copy because, you know, my partner, Natalie, she doesn't drink anymore. She was a, a well-known bartender here in New York, but uh, um, she's just gotten to a place in her life where uh, even a single beer uh, the night before, the, the next day, she has just a crushing hangover. So she's just, she's abandoned alcohol, but not because she doesn't love it, um, but because she simply can't have it anymore. So the part of the fun has been us going through the book, going out and procuring all the, you know, items for the things that we're making. You know, we've made so far the uh, um, the gin and the com- uh, the Campari substitutes, uh, and we're looking next to make a the sweet vermouth so that we can make a make a Negroni. Um, and you know, it's 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 just fun doing it, right? So, and and you're right, we're not using any specialty equipment. I do have some. Uh, I was a chef myself for 12 years, but I wanted to just kind of make it a, on on the most basic level and get in the kitchen with her and have fun. And, and it's been really a great time. So I, I, I highly appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. Yeah, super gratifying to hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I can see how other, uh, you know, home consumers and home, home uh, uh, 
you know, cocktail nerds would be interested in getting into this book. I mean, I, I think I ordered it the day it was available to be ordered, and it came pretty quickly, and we've been tinkering around with it. So, awesome. you know, and th- this is all coming from me, which, you know, I, I've run a bar for the past nine years where, where we say, uh, and we mean, the only non-alcoholic ingredient on my entire bar is water. I have flat, frozen, and bubbly. Everything <laughs> here is alcohol. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good for me to kind of turn around and look back in the mirror and see what, what else is available out there and maybe how I could potentially incorporate it into another bar program somewhere. Cool. Yeah. You know, I was just wondering, because you mentioned the office, and I remember being at the one in New York City with uh, with Micah one time, and um, I was just wondering, is, is there have you figured out a way to make the white truffle-infused yellow chartreuse VEP, but non-alcoholic? <laughs> <laughs> is that in the book? Man, that, that, the, 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 the recipe for that would be a book, just the ingredients list. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Um, I know that uh, you had mentioned, like, I, you know, I've been doing this show for ten years, and I, I, I love it because I get to talk to so many wonderful and interesting people in our industry and and, and surrounding our industry, and and uh, and you know, when it, like what it all comes down to is hospitality, you know, and we always like. You know, we we go out of our way to take care of our guests, and and we we do the same for you know other people in the industry. And like I, you've always been a great hospitality hospitalitarian, and uh, and I know that like uh, we have definitely talked shop on some of our favorite spots, and you know, in the country and around the world, and and kind of like you know we, we always kind of like it's kind of like it's almost like old like folk singers you know like trading like things you like pick up along the way like little hospitality hacks and things and and <clears throat> i know that you were you were saying that you had you had a story about one of our our good buddies here or in new york city about masa from uh katana kitten and i i love going to that bar and because like it's just like playful and fun and like it's just it's just kind of a wild time, and uh, I know. Didn't you have a story you wanted to tell about like Moss at Katana Kitten? Yeah, relating back to your sort of silent uh, hospitality situation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess there's kind of two stories. So the the first one and the first uh, time that I kind of coined the the silent hospitality thing was uh, at the Aviary. Like two years after we opened, we had a server named Neil, and uh, he took a coat check from a woman and he noticed that her button was off of her jacket and he came up to me and he told me how important it was that he, he went downstairs off, off out of service to go. So re-sew her button back on her jacket. And I was just like looking at him and I, I honestly was very, so confused, but he was so like, just so throttled that he needed to put this button back on her jacket. And I was like, yeah, man, go ahead and do it. And I was like, you know, (laughs) for him, it it means so much. So he goes downstairs for like 10 minutes. Right. And he, he sews this woman's button back on her jacket and she, you know, 45 minutes later, she goes to leave and he hands her a coat. She doesn't even notice. She just puts it on and walks away. (laughs) And he comes back and he like looks at me and he's like, man, she didn't even notice. I spent all this time. And I was like, no, that's the best part. And he's like, what do you mean? He goes, like, in 10 minutes, 15 minutes after she left, she's going to look down and look at her button and try to figure out what happened. 
And eventually she will come across the point that you, that we sewed her, her button back on her jacket and she's going to remember everything that happened that night. And she's going to think back about her drinks and what she had. And she's, you know, like, that's exactly what you want, right? Like you're not, you weren't flaunting your, your hospitality in front of her. You did something that she, she at the end of the day didn't even notice. Right. And that's like the best you could, you can kind of drum all those emotions back up. And then, you know, years later I'm sitting it, I think it was two weeks after Katana Kitten opened and I was sitting at the bar and Masa was working and there was a woman next to me who it was extremely cold outside. There was a woman next to me who had uh, went to the restroom and her jacket was kind of like thrown on the back of her chair. And you can just see Masa's eyes light up and he just literally sprints, runs down the stairs as fast as he can. And he comes back up with a hammer and a nail and he pounds a nail into his brand new like service wood, you know, like nice little service station on the side of it. He pounds a nail in it and he grabs a hanger and hangs this woman's coat on, on his brand, you know, like brand new service station. And I'm just like, this guy is crazy, right? Like he spent a thousand dollars on this piece of wood and he just stuck a nail in it so he could hang this woman's jacket up. But then at the end of the day, I was like, yeah, why would he? It's Masa. That's just like par for the course for him. Right. And she, she half even noticed it. She's like, Oh, thanks for hanging my jacket up. Not because she wasn't appreciative of, of him hanging the jacket, but she had no idea that this guy just drove, ran off and sprinted to go get a nail and just drove it into the side of his, his, you know, one of his brand new things at his bar. And I was just like, it, you know, it all just makes sense. Right. When you see stuff like that and it, it's, it's, it's really refreshing to see people do stuff and honestly not get enough credit for it sometimes, but that's, that's all the, the beauty of the system, right. Is like, you, or, you're kind or maybe of like, no wow, credit at all, right? Right. Like, yeah. Did did the guy ever get credit for? It? Did she ever notice the button, like, and come back or like? <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't. I'm pretty sure that she. I mean, I'm I'm guessing she noticed at some point that her button was no longer hanging from a thread. But does she have any idea that like one of the servers at Aviary sewed it back on? <laughs> Who knows? Right. Like it's so crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, right, like, that's I love. Sort of, that, that's sort of strangely beautiful, though. You know. Yeah, I mean, like it's kind of, yeah, it ahead. makes you wonder how many times something like that has been done for you and then you didn't notice. Yeah, exactly, you know? right. Or maybe it was just so seamless and smooth, like Moss's like, coat hanger situation. And, I, you know, like, I've seen people do stuff like that and then, like, the other guests at the bar or the restaurant, like, have noticed and they're like, I don't know if you know this, but, like, while you were gone... That dude just ran and got a nail and a hammer and like put a nail in the bar. Like, I've, I've been in bars where like someone else will tell them, you know, it's not the bartender, the server does it. And, they'll, and they're like, wait, what just happened? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and like, or like all of a sudden, like, I, this is one that I've seen happen. Like there's, there's a couple that's, you know, it's their uh, anniversary and, you know, they, go outside to smoke or they get to say hi to some people that they know there. And then next thing they know, they come back and there's like a little bouquet of flowers there, you know, like at their two bar seats. And they might just think that that was like, maybe it was just part of like the, the setup and the mise en place for the bar, you know, like, but then if you look around, you notice that there aren't flowers in front of everyone, you know, like 
It's just, I, I love that kind of stuff when it comes to hospitality. That's like, just, I think, I think also in those cases, Damon, it seems to me that also, uh, you know, the hospitality that, the, that, that Masa extended to this woman, uh, that me, that she noticed, but didn't understand completely was also in a, in a way extended to Micah, who was witness to this situation and poss- sure. possibly other people at the bar, you know, that hospitality trickled over onto you guys as well. This made you have an understanding of how well this bar and this bartender uh, were, you know, how far, I should say, he was willing to go to take care of you, even if you weren't going to notice. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's, that's for especially for me, someone that was very, very aware of what was going on. Like, it just, it it's inspiring in a way, but also, yeah, it just makes you know that, I mean, the guy is one of the best in the world, if not the best. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, it just makes me want to get better more than anything. But, like, it's it's really cool. And that's part of the reason why I didn't say anything. I'm just like, oh, man, this is too good. This is too good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and then, and then I guess if we could go a little bit more sort of like maybe meta, then we have to understand that you sharing that story with us and then us sharing that story with our listener is a still a ripple out effect of his hospitality. Yeah, exactly. Right. right? He's, you know? he's reaching so many people by tacking that nail into his bar, uh, which is pretty fascinating and, and, you know, kind of heartwarming and man, I can't wait to have a, have a time where I can go sit at that bar again. Um, sure. you know, both once this pandemic is quelled and also just in general, I miss, I miss that place. I miss him. I miss, I miss all of this stuff. I miss hospitality. Right. Yeah. Um, well, it looks like we're coming close to the end here. Um, uh, Sarah and Alan, you got uh, uh, social media you want to plug, or where can one go to get the book? Uh, let, let us know where we can send people to get the book. Yeah, we have a website built for it at uh, www.zero.recipes. You can pick it up, or also um, on theaviarybook.com. Right, because uh, Elenia, you, you guys self publish all your books, is that correct? That's true, yeah, which. Um, is much more of a daunting task than I think we realized um, before we started. <laughs> I mean, it's a daunting task, but again, that means that you're in control of every detail and such a detail-oriented company, it seems, you know, only logical to me. You know, I got the, uh, I don't know, I think there's a difference in copies you can get. I got the one that comes with the, the beautiful sleeve that the book slides into, and it's, I mean, it's gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely true. I mean, every little detail, this is part of why we enjoy doing this here with this group of people is um, because we like fussing over the details as well, even the ones that are largely invisible to people. Like there's a, a custom designed um, cardboard box that the book ships in that has these like crush proof containers that we spent like six months designing so that if the book happens to get dropped on the way from the warehouse to your house, it doesn't get dented. And that's like a thing people throw away the second they, <laughs> the second it shows up. But we spend a ton of time um, designing it um, yeah, and that's that's part of the fun of it, I guess, for us. I mean, I mean, there you go. That's the nail in the in the bar right there. I'm pretty sure that box came with mine, and I threw it away right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, the book made it okay. <laughs> I hauled it right down to the recycling bin. Uh, that's fascinating. Uh, and then, Micah, you got some uh, social media you want to share? How can people get in touch with you if they want to talk more about uh, you know uh, kind of everything going on beverage wise with the Linea Group? Yeah. So. Um, I'm on my personal one, which is at Micah Melton. Uh, and then we do occasionally post on uh, at the Alinea group if people want to follow. And that's kind of where we 
do a little bit more of the what's going on as a group as a whole. But awesome. And those are both Instagram? Yeah. Instagram. Awesome. We'll make sure we get those in the show notes for everybody to follow up on. And, and, and man, I highly encourage uh, listeners to go out there and get a copy of this book. Uh, uh, you know, even if you think to yourself, well, I, I don't have any interest in zero alcohol. Uh, maybe some of your friends do. Maybe some of your family does. And, and, and these are just fun projects to work on. And, and you can still incorporate these ingredients into drinks that have alcohol uh, and, uh, you know, up your home game. Uh, I think uh, I think every lots of folks during this pandemic have found a lot of time to stay home and cook and up their cooking game. Maybe here's an opportunity to up your bartending game with some culinary uh, aspects. Totally, and I can't wait to uh, get the book in my hands and check it out. And um, and maybe on the side uh, for a future project, we can work on that non-alcoholic white truffle yellow chartreuse VEP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just probably start working on it now. I bet it's going to take some some doing. Yeah, I've got a bottle of the yellow VEP here, so I might have to go taste some of it real quick to uh, make sure that I remember, and then uh, get the uh, get the old gears turning. Yeah, get the tasting notes. That's important, right? Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, So I guess that's it, right? So that's it, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. A great episode. Uh, Yeah, it's you know like. I'll point out for the listener, Greg's uh, computer crashed halfway through, so we yeah. lost him along the way. That's why you haven't heard his voice. He hasn't just been sitting there quietly. Yeah, uh, we lost him. I was going to uh, say, but, you know, it's it's just you know part of what we're dealing with, you know, in these times. But, uh, if but that's the worst. If that's the worst thing we have to deal with today, it'll be a yeah, exactly. Day. You know, you could I'd, get him to like record a couple of sound clips, like a hype man, and just like you know, I, I, yeah, totally. <laughs> Like a you just like yellow chartreuse VEP. Yeah, exactly. Like a like a porn and like. Well, I think maybe you know if he since he hasn't been on this episode, uh, at least maybe he's like scripting out that uh, that pre-show like pre-flight video or something like that. Um, that would be good. Somebody's got to do it. I think he's perfect for it. Um, but yeah, I just want to say two things. You know, for the show, it's like well, first of all, it's great to have you back on the show, Micah. Um, yeah, always a pleasure talking with you. Um, it's great talking with you guys about the the really innovative recipes and this cool book and everything. But also, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, this the show is like it's about everything that we we talk about uh, regarding drinks and and food and everything. But you know, it's it really is just about hospitality at the very end of the day. And uh, you know, it's always great to talk shop about that, especially like Souther said, he misses hospitality. And, you know, I, I, I really appreciate having you guys on the show today because it makes me feel like we're, we're sitting there at the bar talking shop like we always do, even though we're in different cities. So thanks for being on the show today, guys. Yeah, yeah of course. Ab- absolutely. Uh, thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for plenty more, plenty more programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station. And until next time, cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thanks. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10 year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.